Hello, everybody. Welcome to NBA Weekly by the Yazcast. Uh, big, big, big week this week. Uh, I want to formally welcome James Harden to Philadelphia. Um, I am Raji. You guys have met me before. And of course, the main guy here, Yaz from the Yazcast. Yaz, how you feeling, bro? Well, I am feeling great, Raji. You know, this was a great weekend of Sixers basketball and really just brightened the whole mood of the city of Philadelphia. And I think that everyone just feels the excitement, feels James Harden's in town. It feels real. You know, it was like we saw we, when we traded for him, we had that week where he didn't play and all that. And we really had to wait to see him play. And now it just feels real. It's it's happening. We probably got one of the best duos in the NBA right now, if not the best, um, you know, but I want to shoot it back to you, Raji. I want to hear what are your thoughts on this new Sixers lineup? Do you like the rotations Doc has? Do you like our starting five? Would you like to see any changes? Um, I actually really like it. Uh, I wasn't really sure about the the Matisse and Green thing, um, you know, switching them up in the starting lineup. Uh, I personally wanted Matisse to start, but I wasn't so like certain with it, you know, especially because, I mean, we talked last week, this team does still need shooters and, and things like that. Um, and so I figured, you know, maybe Danny Green, because he can play some kind of passable defense, but also gives us shooting that Matisse wouldn't. Uh, but it looks like James Harden, is turning Matisse back into a somewhat acceptable offensive player. I mean, Matisse is averaging 10 points a game since, you know, in these past two games, um, which is not bad, you know, for, for the guy that doesn't score on the starting lineup, he's given him magical passes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's insane. And the, uh, the, the steals that Matisse are getting are really, really paying off in a way that we kind of haven't seen uh, since Ben Simmons uh, say what you want about Ben Simmons. He's one of the best fast break players in the league. And um, and the beginning of this season, obviously not having him uh, kind of hurt a little bit because even though Maxie's there, he doesn't seem, uh, you know, he doesn't really have that that kind of first jump, like as soon as the turnover happens to already be halfway down the court. Um, and then so now once Matisse gets that steal, you see Harden running that break, you know, like a veteran point guard would. Um, and that's nothing against Maxie. I mean, we'll talk about Maxie in a minute, but, <laughs> but, you know, as a, as a rookie slash second year player, um, you know, that's not something you just develop straight out of college. Yeah, no, so. I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I, in our last episode, I called that, you know, I predicted that uh, Matisse would start over Danny green and kind of have Danny green coming off the bench and Matisse, you know, in that last game against the Knicks really proved why he should be that starter. I mean, I, I would I wish that his shooting could improve a little. I know that's not going to happen overnight. I know that we need another season or two for really for Matisse to work on his shooting. But defensively, he's a monster. And like you said, he was finding open guys as well. His passes were insane. Um, that one pass he uh, one pass he had to Maxi on the fast break was phenomenal. Um, you know, so I really like our starting five. Our rotation still needs some work. I don't know if I like Harden being the first one to come out. I don't know if you realize that. He's usually the first one to come out, and then you keep and beat in the rest of the first, and then you put Harden in with the bench. I don't know if I like that type of rotation. Maybe switch it up with Embiid and Harden. But, you know, our bench played well last game. I still think that we need another piece, little piece on our bench. But, you know, I like the way Doc had our rotations this past game. Um, And that, you know, I want to – go into another topic here you know it's Joel Embiid looks so happy out there 
I've never yeah. seen this man so happy to play with someone else, maybe since Jimmy Butler. Um, but, you know, and even he's expressing it. You could just tell in his game. Raj, what do you think about Embiid's happiness right now? I love it, man. I've, I'm Like I said, or like you said, I mean, I've never, even back in the Jimmy Butler days, there was still kind of the chemistry issues with Ben there and, and you know, the tension between Brett Brown and, and Butler and things like that. Um, and B just looks like he's home. Um, I, I, I do want to say something about the rotations, though. Uh, I actually do like uh, Harden being the first one out simply because at some point you have to stagger, right? So, if you have Harden out, then you have Maxi running the point with Embiid there and things like that. Um, if you if you take Embiid out first and then have Harden with those guys, then eventually you're going to have a point where both Maxi and Harden might need to sit, right, or kind of get in that fatigue a little bit. So I think you have to stagger it just for the point that Maxi and and Harden, you know, kind of half one of them has to be on the court. And also, I really like how Harden gets our bench lineup going. Uh, that's that's always been a big problem is that when Embiid is out there with our twos, it's hard to score because they know Embiid's going to ISO um, while as Harden is, uh, you know, is getting people involved and things like that. So it seems like the, our offense is a little bit more fluid uh, when you have Harden uh, with the bench lineup than pre Harden when we just had Embiid in the bench lineup. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the happiness, man, I mean, Embiid is is just an embodiment of all of us, I feel like. Um, him and Harden have gotten along so well and it, it literally just seems like this is what and who he's been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Um, Maxi and Harden uh, look like they're building very, very good chemistry. And it's just, it's crazy, man. Seeing Embiid, like, it, you know, things happen on the court, like James Harden hits a step back or James Harden found uh, Maxi for like that wide open three the other day and Embiid's just cheesing. You know what I mean? Just smiling out there on the court. Uh, his performance has been better. Uh, you know, he's, he's given a lot of effort on, on defense. Um, he's fitting into the offense a lot better than we thought he would. So like the adjustment here is like Harden's been in the league for a long time, right? He's played with so many different people. Uh, this is his fourth team in his career, his third team in the past, what, 18 months. Mm-hmm. So He's been there. He's played with a lot of players and stuff. And Bede has, since he came into the league, been on a team where he's had to play with Ben Simmons, right? And a lot of, uh, you know, the, the structure of the team has never really changed since Embiid's rookie year up until this year. So the adjustment, the big adjustment has to be for Embiid in that case. And it seems like he's playing that guard big one-two punch, the pick and rolls, all those things picture perfectly yeah um you do see sometimes i mean i was noticing like so, a couple of plays where Embiid would like fumble the ball like he wouldn't even mm-hmm. expect to be getting that pass or would get the pass and he's supposed to be shooting he's not used to it <laughs> yeah that ends up looking for another pass and and things like that so it's like you kind of see the gears grinding a little bit but if we could do what we've been doing these past two games while the gears are still grinding I can't even imagine what happens when we yeah get no back you said it perfectly you know it's uh something that i thought you know, I predicted that Harden maybe would be a little rusty because, like, he didn't play for two weeks, those final two weeks with Brooklyn. But he came out better than ever, it looked like. And that pick and roll between Harden and Embiid is the most unstoppable thing I've seen in the NBA all year. 
in the yeah. whole entire NBA. It's unstoppable. If you continue to have Harden and Bede running that pick and roll or that pick and pop, it's it's unstoppable, especially with the way that both of those players are playing right now. You know, it's 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 going to be so much fun to watch. It's finally working. That's something that Embiid should have been involved in with Simmons in the past four years is that pick and roll game. And unfortunately, we couldn't even do that. Um, so to finally see Embiid, you know, go crazy with that pick and roll was phenomenal. And I really enjoyed that. And I think that Harden fits in well. It fits in perfectly with our team. You know, it's just like, it's just a compliment now. Uh, so then I, I have a question for you based on that. Um, are they the best duo in the league right now? Just, I'm just going to flat out ask it. <laughs> yes, they are. I, I, I know it's only two games, but tell me, I can't see a better duo right now in the NBA. I can't. With the way they are, you have a dominant point guard in Harden, you know, shooting guard, point guard, whatever you want to call him, who's probably a top five player in the NBA. And then you add the MVP and Joel Embiid. Right now, that is the most dominant duo in the NBA. I don't see who would top that. I really don't, especially the way they showed us in the last two games, their first two games together, and they played that well. Imagine when they build more chemistry. That's the league should be on notice right now. Really, it, ex it exceeded my expectations. And I had high expectations, and it exceeded my expectations how well that duo played in the past two games. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I mean, I'm going to say no, to be honest. Um, now, you know, like, I think, I think talent-wise, they're the most talented duo in the NBA, mm -hmm. right? I, don't, I, don't, I really don't know if it's close at this point. Like, you're talking about two Hall of Famers, right? Two future Hall of Famers. Um, I think they're the most talented guard and big duo since Shaq and Kobe. Um, now don't, I'm not comparing them to Shaq and Kobe. They're not. Um, and I'm not saying the best duo in general, just the best guard, big one, two punch uh, since, since Shaq and Kobe in terms of talent. Mm -hmm. But if we're talking about the best duo, I think they still have things to prove. And that's, that's why I say I, it's hard for me to say they're the best because like the, the next best duo arguably would be Giannis and Middleton, who just won a championship, right? The one after that would probably be LeBron and AD, who won a championship the year before that. Um, if you just want to say any duo, I mean, you could talk about Clay and Steph. You could talk about uh, CP3 and, and Booker, who got to the finals last year. Clay and Steph are on their own level in terms of just all-time NBA duos. So, like, it's hard for me to kind of just be like, okay, these are the best duo. They're definitely the most talented. But I think that that should be kind of fuel for the fire and that they need to go out there and show everybody we are the best duo. Here's why I want to back up my statement on why they're the best duo in the NBA. Uh, they are a guard and a center duo. You know, you mentioned Clay and Steph. You mentioned Booker and CP3, even Giannis and Chris Middleton. But who in the NBA has a guard and center duo like the Sixers have right now in James Harden and Joel Embiid? Nobody. Nobody yeah. in the NBA has that duo. And that's why I say they're the most dominant in the NBA right now, because having a guard playing the way he is and then having the MVP in the center, to me, that's the most dominant. No question. Would you consider, would you consider like Butler and Bam kind of a guard center duo? I mean, Bam yeah, they is are, the but they're not, center. they're nowhere near top five best duos in the NBA right now. Not even, you know, but yeah, they are a guard and center duo. They yeah. are. I mean, some could argue that, man. They have the best record in the East. Um, you so, know how I feel about, about them, though. Um, all right, so I'm just going to give you the floor. You've been talking about this all week. 
Um, we're going to end up arguing about this. So everybody buckle up. This is going to be a few minutes. Uh, just go ahead and talk about Tobias Harris. Uh, Tobias, you know, this is, this is such a love hate relationship that I've had for Tobias Harris for the past three years. I swear. It's like such a toxic relationship between me and him. <laughs> I can't, I can't stay consistent in my thoughts with him. You know, he, he shows he's so inconsistent right now. He's so inconsistent. He was playing, he was playing horribly in the beginning of the year. And then he picked it up right before all-star break. And now that we got James Harden, he just looks, he looked flat out awful that last game. I'm sorry. The last two games, he looked flat out awful. Um, he couldn't guard anyone, first of all, defensively. You know, he was he was getting, I thought personally that he was getting trashed on defense. Offensively, he can't hit a shot. He cannot hit a shot. There was many times where Harden was finding him open and this man couldn't hit a shot. You know, I don't know what it is with Tobias. I don't, I understand that's only two games. It's tough when you got Maxi also balling out. Maxi, in my eyes, is part of our big three more than Tobias's. I think it's Maxi, Harden, and Embiid. And I understand that some people might find me crazy for that. But I think that Maxi is a bigger piece of our team right now than Tobias Harris. And I hope that, you know, I'm proven wrong in the next month or so. And I understand that we just got Harden. You know, there's still some chemistry stuff that we got to figure out. I understand that Tobias is now the third option. So he's got to figure out how to play like that third option. But right now he's pissing me off. You know, the way his style of game, he just, he doesn't even look confident. He doesn't even look confident out there. You know, he just looks sluggish. Um, but we have James Harden on our team. And I really believe that James Harden will make all of his teammates better. So I think it is early. I will give him the benefit of the doubt. I still want to, I'm not going to give up on Tobias yet, but I want to see him improve and improve rapidly because he, if we need Tobias Harris to win a championship. I truly believe that we need Tobias Harris to win an NBA championship. So we need him to play the way that we need him to play. And right now he's not playing like that, but you know, hopefully James Harden figures out how to get him involved. Fair enough. Um, first of all, I'm just going to shut the whole didn't play defense thing down really quick. If you don't think Tobias played good defense, these past two games, you were not watching the game. Uh, he was the primary defender on Ju primary defender on Julius Randall who went four for 13. Um, and he was also the primary defender on Carl Anthony Towns, who's bigger than him and still had him shooting under 50%. Played pretty good defense on him. Um, so I like defensively, he's there. Now, we kind of talked about this throughout the week, but to me, what makes you bad is making bad plays, right? So like, for example, if when Ben Simmons had those times where he wasn't shooting and just 360 passing out, I'm going to stop talking about Ben Simmons forever. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, or, or even James Harden. I mean, when you see James Harden have those bad shooting nights where he's very obviously off and is still trying to shoot himself out of it and taking, you know, 15 bad shots a game. Uh, Russell Westbrook is famous for taking horrendously bad shots down the stretch. That's what like that's bad play. I'm not going to say they're bad players, obviously, but that's like bad basketball. I didn't see any of that from Tobias. I saw maybe like uh, during the third quarter, late in the second quarter, when Tobias got those uh, that bad block call where he was fouled and, and they didn't whistle, uh, got really frustrated, took a couple of terrible shots. But other than that, the shots Tobias has been taking are good shots. The ball is not always going to fall. And, and I think Tobias has the biggest adjustment to make in this system. Um, Maxi is a guard um, is kind of switching between the one and two guard. 
it's it's tough for him, but he's getting there really quick. Um, but as the person who's usually our second ISO player on the team to now be a non-ISO player. So with Tobias kind of going from a player who was our second isolation option after Embiid uh, to a player who just no longer plays isolation whatsoever because we can't afford to have him also isoing uh, between Harden and Embiid and uh, the rest of our lineup. So he has the biggest adjustment to make. And I feel like he's made that adjustment. I mean, he's catching and shooting. Uh, we have the quick decision to bias and he's, I mean, he's putting in the effort, like in the fourth quarter, he led the team in scoring. He had 10 points. He had the huge offensive rebound when the game got really close to kind of give us the lead again. And he had that corner three to ice the game. So, I mean, sure. His shooting is off. I mean, three for nine against the Knicks and what was he? Uh, two for nine against Minnesota, but he's taking good shots. You know, you can't ask every shot to fall. We already know he's a streaky player. And this whole statement about, oh, I want more from my max player. We got to get over that. Um, we already why, know. Why is he a max player then? And you exactly. know, that's, you know, that's, but that's what, something that's something you can't change at this point. We know and we knew. From the day Tobias signed that max contract, Tobias Harris is not a max caliber player. And if we keep judging him as if he is, then we will just never be happy as fans. That's it. His contract is there. We know he's never going to live up to that contract. So just take him for what he is. He can be a very, very good role player on this team. And the whole uh, big three thing, there is no big three. There is Joel Embiid, James Harden, and then everyone else. I don't want to put Maxi on a pedestal up there. I don't want to put Tobias on a pedestal up there. I don't want to compete or have some type of competition in our fan base between who's better between Maxi and Tobias. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. We just need both of them to do well. We need both of them to play their roles. Right now, this is Joel Embiid and James Harden's team, and that's how we win a championship. Well, I mean, so, Maxi, Maxi's proving to be a part of that big three. Last game, two games ago at 28, last game at 21, he's balling out. I mean, screw the whole narrative of big three, whatever. I mean, I want our whole team to be outstanding, right? You know, I, I want Tobias, I want a fat five, right? And you know what I mean? Like, screw that narrative of, right, having a big three or whatever. But Maxi's balling where I would put him up there with Harden and Bede. But, you know, anyway, I want to guide this into a question that was submitted by James Lewis. Shout out James Lewis on our uh, Sixers weekly Facebook page, you know, and he asked, and this has to stay along the lines with Tobias Harris. Is it worth trading Tobias for depth or should we keep Toby and find sub tier depth players in the off season? Um, it's a tough one. It's, it's really a tough one. And I think, I think it's to be seen. I think that mm -hmm. if Tobias, uh, if Tobias kind of, comes in and and fits into this system well in the coming days and really shows that he could be that third option because let's be honest there aren't many third option players in the league that are as good as Tobias Harris right I mean if you count the third options you have like Westbrook Draymond um, um, Holiday and really like I mean who's Phoenix's third option he's not better than Tobias who you know what I mean like um, Miami I guess has Kyle Lowry who's kind of getting washed up you know I don't I don't know if I would I don't know what I would do if I had to compare him and Tobias but anyway the, the Toby's a good third option now the reason it would be very very considerable to trade him for depth is because of that contract uh he's not worth the mask the max I'm sorry um and and I think that if we can get 
good three and D players for him, then it's worth it. Um, I'm talking like the Jay Crowders of the world and, you know, players like that. Um, but if we're going to just trade him for some, you know, 34 year old players who are, we're just going to end up buying out if they don't do well, it's not worth just dumping the contract. Cause even though Tobias isn't worth the max, he's definitely still worth having on your team. And that's, that's just where I stand right now. I think it goes, yeah. uh, I think that decision is to be made based on how his playoff performance is this year. Exactly. I think that it all depends on our outcome, the season outcome and, you know, how Tobias performs in the playoffs, hopefully performs in the finals and championship. Um, it all depends on if we win a chip, we lose in the conference finals, second round, where do we lose? That's why I say it's so early to answer that question. Um, you know, I have my thoughts, strong thoughts about Tobias Harris right now, but that I can't predict the offseason because I want to see how well we perform. You know, if you win a championship and he was a key part of your team, obviously you're keeping him. Right. But we can't predict that right now. If we're a second round exit and Tobias completely folded, yeah, get the hell out of here. But, you know, right now, too early to call. Um, but thank you for the question, James. You know, we'll definitely come back to that later on in the season, that type of question, because, you know, it's going to be a big discussion in the offseason if we do sell, if we do fold in the playoffs and, you know. Yeah, you'll, you'll, hear, us talk, you'll hear us talk a lot about Tobias Harris. Uh, I, I personally love the guy. I think he's he's just a really good culture guy for the team. Um, everyone loves him. He's just a great guy all around, and he plays well. He he really does. Um, I don't. His issue is he's very streaky, but we do, we go through this every single year, you know. And then he, next month he'll be averaging twenty four points a game on 50, 40, 90 shooting splits, and we're like, okay, this guy's worth a max all of a sudden. So it's like, I don't know, but I think a good test of that is what's coming up. Uh, really quickly for the Sixers. So, yes, we have the Knicks on Wednesday um, again, and this time at home, so I'm not too worried about it. But then afterward, we have Cleveland on Friday, back-to-back with Miami on Saturday in Miami. Um, So, literally, we play Cleveland uh, Friday night in Philly, fly down to Miami, play the number one seed on Saturday, and then the week after, we have Chicago and Brooklyn on Monday (laughs) and Thursday. So, just to line those up, we have Cleveland, Miami, Chicago, Brooklyn, who are the top four seeds in the East. Yep. Um, back to back to back to back. So what do you think? Uh, what do you think the Sixers have to prove in that in that stretch? And how do you see it really going for us? We can we can really only go over like the first couple because yeah. you guys will hear back from us before like the Brooklyn game. And I think the next game tomorrow night on Wednesday night. Um well, you know, it's James Harden's first game playing in Philly. That I think that's going to be a blowout, actually. I think that the crowd is going to be way too into it. You know, it's James Harden's home debut. Game. Yeah, it's going to be too crazy. Where And the Knicks suck this year, so I'm not even worried. Um, I am worried about the following games after that. Cleveland, under-the-radar team, I think that we're at home, so I think we will win that game. Um, but, you know, Miami, Chicago, and Brooklyn, that is going to be a test for the whole team. You know, test for our lineup. It's an early test. It sucks. You would wish that we'd get a little more time for Harden and Embiid and everyone to, you know, more gel more together. I mean, they're proving their chemistry is already great right now, but it's going to be a big test. And uh, I don't think we'll win all of those games. I think that it would be amazing if we do. It will help, you know, even consider having the one seed in the East. But, you know, going from playing a tough Cleveland team and then going into Miami the following night, that might be the one loss. Um, I'm confident we'll beat Chicago. 
And that Brooklyn game all comes down to if Ben Simmons and KD are going to play. And uh, which I hope Ben Simmons does play, which I don't think he will. But it's going to, like I said, it's going to be a big test for the Sixers. Um, Nothing's for granted in the NBA, even against the Knicks, even against the, you know, Magic, against Chicago. Nothing is granted in the NBA. I think that they're going to be tough games. I think they're going to be exciting games. I'm actually very excited for this upcoming week of Sixers basketball. I don't know about you, but um, I think that we'll obviously beat the Knicks. And then I think that the only game that we'll lose after that is against Miami and Miami. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, we have Chicago's number. Mm-hmm. There's no one on that team that's even close to guarding Embiid. Nobody. Um, I mean, New York, if you just look at last game, Embiid had, what, 27 free throws? Um, <laughs> fouled out both of their bigs. Um, so it's starting to look like, especially with someone to kind of feed Embiid and play that, the two-man pick-and-roll game, um, unless you have a good center, it's going to be tough for you to play the Sixers. Mm-hmm. With that being said, uh, Bam is a very good defensive big man. And it's a shame that we play Miami twice this month, and both of them are on the second day of a back-to-back. Of um, so I, 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 it's hard to see us beating Miami in this game, and I can already hear the overreactions coming. Um, that'll probably, you know, we'll definitely talk about that next week on mm-hmm. on our episode. But other than that, I mean, like I said, we have Chicago's number, Brooklyn. I, I believe KD will play. Um, I heard that Ben Simmons is having back spasms and that the uh, back spasm medicine is uh, arrives for delivery on March 11th. Bullshit. So <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, he's, he's going to find any excuse in the world to not play on March 10th. Um, if he does, it's going to get real ugly in that stadium. F ben but Simmons. I think, I think we beat Brooklyn regardless. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think Miami's the tough one. We also have Denver this month. Uh, we play Cleveland for a second time. Um, so it, it is going to be the type of the type of stretch where, you know, just just all throughout this month. I mean, we play Milwaukee, we play Phoenix, uh, Miami twice, Cleveland twice, Dallas. So this is kind of that time where we need to see what we got. Mm-hmm. You know, I love these two games. Um, I, I'm honestly just super excited about how the Sixers look and what the potential is here. But I think this month really shows, um, how we're going to face adversity. And of course, James Harden's happy getting out of the city, uh, Mm -hmm. winning the first two games, building this chemistry with this team. But what happens when, you know, he's on that, uh, play in Philly, travel to Miami the next day, play at night, have a really tough game against the number one seed. Um, then I kind of want to see where our chemistry is, how that goes, um, you know, how quickly the honeymoon phase ends, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll be with you guys throughout all of it to, to kind of break it down, talk through it. We'll have some like game breakdowns and stuff for those. Um, so stay tuned. But yeah, I'm, I'm more excited than anything, because if we do well this month, we're kind of solidifying ourselves as, you know, one of the top three contenders in the league. And hopefully the national media gives us some recognition that we deserve. <laughs> Unbelievable. Did you see that uh, the guy, what's his name? Jason, Jason something. Undisputed. Yeah, I I hate to even give him attention, but like the fact that that's been circling around Twitter is just showing how desperate uh, teams are to really, or, you know, the the national media is to really make us look bad. They Um, just hate Philly. They hate Philly. Harden's always been a villain. Uh, Embiid has always been a villain outside of Philadelphia. Um, You know, people hate that gunning for fouls kind of game 
uh, which is dumb because if you watch last game, Embiid did get fouled every play. Stop and fouling him. <laughs> we, took, we took the same amount of free throws. Was it last game or the game before? Against the Knicks. Knicks, I think, took the same. Um, yeah, we took, uh, what was it? Five more free throws than the Knicks did or something like that. And we ended up, uh, we just ended up making them. I mean, Harden 10 for 10 from the line and beat 23 for 27. Uh, the night before eight for nine, 11 for 13. Like we just aren't missing them. And that's, that's the difference. Um, so let's get to around the league, uh, around the NBA. So we're going to start off, I guess, with, with the biggest news story, which is, you know, the other side of the national news is that they're going to hate Philly, but they're always going to love and talk about the Los Angeles Lakers who are, <laughs> who are not really doing well at all right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you, what do you think? You think there's anything to salvage out of there? It's, it's bad. You know, I, I, I love LeBron. Everyone knows that. And I really want to like be optimistic for that Lakers team just for LeBron, but they're, they're just not a good team. They're not a good team, Raji. I'm sorry. And it's I don't blame LeBron on it. I blame LeBron more for the offseason moves. But, you know, right now it's he's playing the best of his ability. You got Russell Westbrook, who forgot how to play basketball. You got AD, who's been injured 90 percent of the year. um, And you got a god awful bench, you know. So what do you do with that Lakers team? It's going nowhere. They're probably going to play in the play-in tournament, maybe be make it to the second round. Who knows? But that team has no hope to win an NBA championship right now in my eyes, unless AD comes back like a monster and then Russell Westbrook decides to finally play basketball. But right now that Lakers team looks really, really bad. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I personally will never – uh, give up on LeBron, especially not when he's, you know, putting up the numbers that he's putting up right now. Uh, I mean, he's averaging 29, what, 29, eight and seven. He's leading the lead. He's leading his team in points, rebounds, steals and blocks and second in assists to Russell Westbrook, just barely. Um, so as long as he's playing well and he's there, uh, once AD comes back, that'll be big for him if he can stay healthy. Um, Westbrook always ramps it up after the all-star break, uh, dropping DeAndre Jordan, who the Sixers are looking at, by the way, but dropping DeAndre Jordan, uh, means that they'll probably end up picking up like a DJ Augustine or something like that. Uh, Kendrick Nunn should be coming back soon. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're, they're going to have some type of changes. Like I don't see them like giving up on the season whatsoever. And I think that as long as LeBron is in the playoffs, that's really all that matters. I mean, we've seen him, we've seen him do a lot with a little, right? So we'll see what happens. I don't think the West is that impressive right now. Um, Chris Paul's out for God knows how long. Uh, they don't see Kawhi and PG coming back anytime soon. Um, the Grizzlies are great, but you know, John Morant doesn't have that playoff, playoff experience to be playing against champions. Uh, if Denver gets Jamal Murray back, that's <laughs> that's a big one. Uh, and Golden State obviously is is mm-hmm. phenomenal, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that if they get in the playoffs, they have a shot. But as of right now, it's like watching Lakers basketball is just so difficult. It's really ugly. Uh, they look like a high school team out there half the time. There's absolutely no chemistry on that team. Um, it's bad. It's bad. Agreed. <laughs> um, so let's look at let's look at uh, the other side of the playoff picture in the East. Um, I I have this question for you. So. 
uh, right now it's looking like the strongest two teams um, standings wise are Miami and Chicago. Uh, Miami is still favored to win the championship over the Sixers. Um, so I just want to ask how serious are Miami and Chicago? Do you see them as actual championship contenders? Um, do you, are you worried about either of them against the Sixers? No, <laughs> long story short. No, um, the Chicago and Miami. And I know that a lot of people are going to get mad at me at this. Do not scare me at all. I don't even think that they're title contenders. I think that they're just playing great regular season basketball. But come playoff time, I'm not scared of either of those two teams. I don't think Miami or Chicago can make a run for a championship. First of all, Chicago, get them out of the picture, right? The Rosen, I'll give you props. You're playing like MVP level this year, but you're not top three MVP yet. And, you know, the rest of your team has been hurt. So when is that chemistry going to build? Because you guys, they haven't played enough together. To Miami, now we go to Miami. Miami has a better shot than Chicago, but they also don't scare me. Look, Jimmy Butler, outstanding player. Bam, monster defensive player. Kyle Lowry, you're washed. You know, that bench does not, does not scare me. Tyler, Tyler Hero is not going to make a run in the playoffs for Miami. There's When you got Milwaukee, when you got Brooklyn, when you got Philly, you know, that those three teams are scarier than Miami and Chicago in my eyes, you know, especially roster-wise. You know, so I don't even see Miami or Chicago even playing in the conference finals unless they end up not playing Milwaukee or Brooklyn or even Philly. That's my opinion on Miami and Chicago. Yeah, I think it ends up being a luck of the draw. Um, I think, I mean, we're seeing we're seeing the COVID restrictions kind of ease up all over the country. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's, it, it, you know, I think it's now just a matter of time until Kyrie can actually come back um, and, and Milwaukee is Milwaukee. And so I think the big three in the East right now is us, Milwaukee and Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. Um, When it comes to Miami, I mean, sure. They're a solid team. Um, I I love the way they play in that they're, they're very defensive minded. They're very gritty. Um, But when it comes down to it, I mean, you can't rely on Tyler hero, getting you 20 points a game in the playoffs, right? Exactly. You can't rely on Kyle Lowry, even, even carrying the team a little bit in the playoffs, right? He's not where he was a few years back when he was winning with Kawhi. Um, Bam is absolutely phenomenal, but in the playoffs, he's going to be playing against either Giannis or Joel Embiid or Kevin Durant. And I think that, and he, he really is going to struggle to guard any of those three. Mm-hmm. And as someone who, you know, they're kind of using as a defensive specialist, uh, that's going to be a big problem. But, you know, I love Bam. He's averaging 19 and 10, and I think I think he'll show up. Uh, Jimmy Butler, okay, very good player, I guess. Um, but he's not going to carry a team to a championship. I know he did it in the bubble, blah, blah, blah. I mean, Tyler Hero also looked like Ray Allen in the bubble. Um, you know, Duncan Robinson looked like Steph Curry. Like, the, this is not – that's not really something that's the same team. It's not the same team. Right. If you think, if you think that Miami is going to walk into Philadelphia and play against Joel Embiid and James Harden in front of a Philly crowd and Duncan Robinson and Tyler hero, are going to put up 20 each. You're just, you're, you're living in a different universe. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, they're a good team. Uh, They they're showing up really well in the regular season. I, I take them seriously as, as a, as an opponent, 
but I do not see them as an actual contender for the championship. Um, so that brings us to someone who, to be honest, I do see as a contender for the championship as a sleeper. Um, I really like Memphis. I just love Memphis as a team. Uh, I always like them mostly because I just love their jerseys and their team design and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but they have somebody special. Yes. This kid is something else. Um, we just saw him put up a career high last night for us or Monday night for whenever you're watching this. Um, talk to me about John Morant. John Morant is a monster, <laughs> an absolute monster. And I love it. I love watching him play. I love his style of play. I love his demeanor. I love his attitude. I love his confidence, man. This, this, he's got it. He's all around. He's just got that NBA superstar le- uh, potential. Um, I see flashes of young Allen Iverson in him. Even Allen Iverson was giving him praise after John Morant's 52-point career high. That same game had one of the best posters this year. Not better than Joel Embiid on Jared Allen's poster, but had an insane poster yesterday or whenever you're watching this. Um, John Morant is that guy is that guy and the what Memphis is doing they're third in the west a tough conference he's basically carrying that team making everyone around him better uh he's truly special he's truly special and I I love it yeah I agree I mean I I don't like to compare him to AI uh simply because young AI he's a different he's a different type of player right he's more of a facilitator than AI was um and he's more of a shooter than AI was but also he didn't have it like AI had it, you know? Uh, so it's like, it's, it's here and there. I mean, I see some similarities in, in the way he plays, but um, he's, he's special because he's one of a kind. I mean, he's got that. He's almost like a, a efficient version of what Russell Westbrook is. Right. Exactly. And I'm not saying obviously Russell Westbrook in his prime was something else, but just, just in terms of the skill set, he can score. He's averaging seven assists. He gets everybody involved. Um, he can dunk on anybody in the damn league. Um, his actually last night he didn't miss a single three pointer. Like fifty two points, didn't miss a single three pointer. Crazy. And like, I, 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 let me pull up the stats real quick. But I think he only shot like seven free throws. Wow. Yeah. He like just unbelievable. Yeah, four for seven on uh, on free throws. Four for four on threes. Twenty two for thirty shooting. Uh, 52 points and let's not forget that was on a back-to-back and the game before it he scored 46 against Chicago so it's like he he set he set a franchise record one night and then went back and scored uh, a personal record the next night just unbelievable 73 percent shooting like um he's he's incredible and and I can't wait to see where his career goes um I've been saying it and I know you have as well um, and shout out to Ray. Uh, he's been saying it as well. Uh, when when the John Morant Zion comparisons were coming out, we were like, no, 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 no. This guy's got something. I mean, Zion's you know a great player when he's on the floor, but this guy's got something, mm-hmm. and and he's really showing it. I I love the kid. Honestly, I I Me really too. do. I think he's one of the most likable people in the league. He's always. Uh, I'm enjoying watching him play. He's always had that underdog mentality. He went to Murray State, you know, very small D1 school. He balled yeah. out in the, you know, March Madness tournament. He got, you know, everyone's attention, and that's what I love about him. But you know, I want to now transition to our final question um, on the podcast this week, uh, and it's a question from our guy Fran. 
um, who asked us, who is a sleeper duo could, that could carry their team for a playoff run? Shout out to Francisco. Uh, first of all, we miss you. Uh, we do. I, I want to have you on soon. Uh, we we want to hear what will. you had to say about these new Sixers. Um, that's a really good question. So now we're, you know, we've been talking about duos forever now because now we have a duo to compare to the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I would say my sleeper duo is LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges. Um, the chemistry between them is phenomenal. Uh, LaMelo Ball is another player who I see kind of like John Morant and that I just, I love his potential. I love the way he plays basketball. Um, and Miles Bridges just fits so well with LaMelo's play style. Uh, I think Charlotte's a good team. Obviously, they're not championship contenders right now, but if we're talking about like sleepers, um, I really like that duo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great pick. Um, I was considering that, but not for a playoff run. And you know, I if my if if last year if my past self just took a time machine and came to this current date and was about to hear what I'm about to say, he would slap me across the face because I think a sleeper duo right now in the NBA that can make a Don't playoff run is Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Oh. I, I really, I can't stand either of them, but as a duo and as a team, I think that duo has the potential to make a playoff run. I'm not saying they're going to go far, you know, maybe could make the Western Conference Finals second round, but you know, both of them are under the radar media wise this year. And I think that they're going to take that personally. And I think that's my pick for a sleeper duo. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason they're under the radar. <laughs> in my opinion, I, I really just, I, I don't see it. I, Gobert can't, can't do anything whatsoever on offense um, and cannot leave the paint on defense. One of the best paint defenders of this generation but if you can't leave the paint whatsoever, I mean, what's the point, right? Um, I really, I mean, I really wanted to say Jamal Murray and Jokic, but we don't know the status of Jamal Murray. That was my. Yeah, if, if that if was Murray my comes point. back. If Murray comes back, I think they'll be a very, mm-hmm. very good duo. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've seen we've seen Utah. Uh, we saw them crumble to a Clippers team without Kawhi Leonard. Um, it, they there's one of them is just completely one dimensional. And by one dimension, I don't mean he only plays defense and not offense. I mean, he only plays specifically paint defense Mm -hmm. within 15 feet of the basket. Um, And the other one is one dimensional the other way in that he only plays offense, can't defend to save his life. Um, And there's not much overlap there at all. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, we've talked about extensively uh, last season and things like that. He's, he's a solid player. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I personally, if I were to put um, if I were to put the Hornets against the Jazz, I'm taking my boy Melo, to be honest. Yeah. But that's just yeah. me personally. Uh, we'll stop it on that hot take yeah. for this week. Yeah, no, uh, we had a lot of great conversations today. Uh, thanks for watching, guys. And we'll see you guys next week.